COVID-19, oh, we need a vaccine at this moment. It means everything. Please wear your mask and stay six feet back. Total shutdown. COVID-19. From the East 9th Street Pier, it's two middle-aged men in Cleveland, featuring journalist and public speaker Lauren Brill. And now, two guys on the verge of being recalled, Ken Dworsnick and Ted Clark. Thank you so much, and welcome to another episode. It's number 24, Ken. Can you believe we're all the way up to episode 24 of Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland? I know. Time is flying by, Ted, as the uh, leaves are now changed. And when we started this, I think we had some snow, if I'm not mistaken. That's, so That's very true. And when we look at what is happening in the world this week. We know that the president health has returned, uh, supposedly, at least according to his doctor. We had a vice presidential debate that was very interesting. And what is that? What is that? I'm sorry. I hear that too. What is that? I don't that? know what that is. But anyhow, um, there's something, I don't know what that is. But anyhow, uh, we have a, uh, yeah, we had a, pre- a vice presidential debate. Did you happen to see any of the vice presidential debate? Oh, I did. I watched the entire thing. As I'm on two middle-aged men in Cleveland, and obviously my opinion is extremely important, Ted. You know. Yes, right. I have one question for you regarding the vice presidential debate. Do you know what Mike Pence's favorite Dr. Seuss book is? I do not. It's called A Fly Went By. <laughs> also this weekend, some sad news. Eddie Van Halen, arguably, and perhaps maybe not even arguably, the greatest rock guitarist of all time passed away due to throat cancer such a shame what an amazing artist i think everyone should go on youtube and put in the song eruption it's from 1978 mm-hmm. he has a gu- guitar solo that's one minute 42 seconds and i think every young kid not too long after that and i think to this day now tries to emulate that guitar solo because <laughs> it's so good that to me just says it all what an amazing artist obviously for many, many years, all the great hits that came from Van Halen with David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar and all that, but he certainly will be missed. Uh, did some amazing work, worked with Michael Jackson as well and many of his different albums and things like that. So just a, a very amazing man. Hey, I hear that you had an incident with your car and a deer. Can you tell us about that this week? Because I Yeah, I, uh, Bambi decided to visit me when I was in the fine town of Seville, dropping my children off for school and. uh Driving down the road, it was actually a really nice morning. The sun was out. I'm enjoying some time with my daughter after I just took my son to school. And uh, I looked to the right, and next thing I know, I saw a four-point buck running towards my vehicle. So I did my best to swerve, but unfortunately, the deer won, and we did have some damage. Everyone's okay. Mm, My daughter was shaken up a little bit, just concerned, because obviously you don't see a, a large deer hit your vehicle very often. We're all safe, but the car... We'll be in the shop probably for at least a month. Mm. So the car is pretty damaged. How's the deer? The deer, surprisingly, act stunned for about two seconds. I didn't see any blood or anything like that and walked away 
like nothing happened. Now, unbelievable. Did the deer hit your car head first, side first? What part of the deer? Uh, hit your car? Right with the body. It like it gave it a body check. A yeah. body check. Okay. Like, like one okay. of your kids in hockey. A body check. Yep. Side swipe the side, <laughs> brushed it off, walked away. It was a pretty decent hit considering I saw a lot of deer hair in the chrome part of the car and by the wheel well and all that fun stuff. Did so. you have any thoughts of consuming a little venison later in the evening? You know, I kind of did for a second, but I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I want that deer if the meat's that tough. Well, so. that's true. That's very true and a good point from you. All right. Well, wait. I, I don't know what that we got to get what that. I don't know what that? that is. I don't know. Is there but, something on my head? Do I have anything uh, on my head? I'll, that, that might be it. I, I don't know. You have dark hair, so I can't tell. But coming up on the show, a dog finds something while on a walk. We're going to tell you what the dog found in Klopp's Clips. A major event, Ken, happened in downtown Cleveland 26 years ago this coming week. We will reminisce. Isn't that nice? We're going to reminisce. Oh, we deserve this week it. in Cleveland history. Plus, we are going to talk with former Cleveland sports anchor, journalist, and public speaker, Lauren Brill. Miss Speaker of the Week now, Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden was campaigning in Toledo, Ohio, and addressed United Auto Workers at a GM plant. I'm running as a proud Democrat for the Senate. Now the vice president is actually running for president. This is not the first time he has mistakenly said he is running for Senate. And it was not the only misspeak he made during this speech. Vote! Visit IWill.com slash Ohio. God bless you. God bless the auto workers. God protect. Thank you. Which way am I going? IWill.com slash Ohio is not a website. Typing it into an internet browser will get you a not found error. Two for one on the misspeaks. Those are your misspeaks of the week. Have you heard about Anchor? I'm not talking about the one for a boat. This is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Blah, blah, blah. 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 Today's guest is a seven-time Emmy-nominated and AP award-winning sports journalist. She has worked as a sports anchor and reporter for ABC and CBS affiliates in Cleveland and Buffalo. She also served as a reporter and color analyst for MSG Varsity, a high school sports network. She has written for several nationally known outlets, including NBA.com, 
WNBA.com and NikeWomen.com, ESPN's Girl Mag, and Women'sProSoccer.com. A graduate of Columbia University majoring in sociology and focused her studies on the impact of sports on society, her experiences as a writer and sports television journalist have prepared her to take on the task of creating a media company that provides a safe space for people to share their truths and propel social progress called The Unsealed. Let's talk with CEO founder Lauren Brill. Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Lauren, first question, talk about your career and talk about how you got started in sports journalism. My dad bought my brother season tickets to the Rangers, New York Rangers hockey team for a birthday or a holiday. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You think because I'm a girl, I don't want to go. <laughs> and so my dad started switching us off back and forth. And then I got to go to some games and he got to go to some games. And then I also was a really good athlete. I was actually more athletic than my brother. Don't tell him I said that. So I, I love sports. I love playing sports. My dad started taking me to games. And then eventually my dad, was, my brother goes to my dad, dad, I don't really want to go. She can go to all the games. So I was just going to so many games with my dad. Um, he shared the tickets with someone else. So we weren't going to every game, but we went to a lot. And I fell in love with going to sporting events. And I was like, hey, can I get paid to do this? And one time we were at a playoff game. I think it was the year after the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. It was the playoffs. And this woman was like, hey, I saw you walking with your dad. I used to go to games with my dad. Do you want to sit in the front row? <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. Right up behind, behind the glass. I was like, yes. He's like, she's like, I only have one ticket though. So your dad has to stay up there. I was like, bye dad. <laughs> And this woman was the president or a VP of NBC. And she talked about her career in sports. And she, I was like, can I be a reporter? Can I go to games? And she was like, yeah. And so I was 10 years old. And that's when I decided I wanted to be a sports reporter at that game, talking to that woman, ditching my dad for really good seats of a playoff game. That's awesome. Well, women covering sports has become a much more normal thing here as time has gone on but yeah that doesn't necessarily mean that it's any easier but yeah. talk about i mean i think i just think to that point i think there are more women in sports yes but if you look at the roles they're occupying there's still a lot of sexism in that sense so you see men in the booth and women on the sideline or women doing the fluff stories and men giving into the hardcore aspects of sports and we're seeing progress there too doris burke obviously getting opportunities in the booth and other women but there's still a lot more women occupying certain roles such as sideline reporter or things of that nature and men being more of the nuts and bullets of sports we see that same sexism play out in coaching as it's harder for women to break into coaching than men and if you're talking about football or men's basketball so there's still barriers to be broken there's a lot of strong courageous women out there that are fighting to break those barriers to prove themselves and to get opportunities and there are a lot of men out there who are also giving women those opportunities and creating new lanes for women to occupy new roles and move their way up but there's definitely still lots of room to grow lots of trailblazers out there that are blazing new trails and accomplishing new things in sports yes we've come a long way but we still have a long way to go so as far as covering of sports from a woman's perspective have you had any experiences with athletes being unprofessional rude sexist that kind of thing or have you been fortunate enough to avoid that kind of stuff yeah i've had experiences here and there the athletes overwhelmingly have 
been supportive, have been helpful, have assisted me in my career. Where I saw more challenges is there's still this mentality of don't get beat by a girl. So maybe there's another local reporter that you beat to a story and they don't like it that, you know, the girl wearing pink lipstick and a short skirt broke a story that they didn't have or got an interview that they didn't get. So I found it to be much more sexism within the people that you're competing with as opposed to the people that you're covering. Athletes are the ones who on their day offs would give me an interview. Athletes are the ones who helped me break stories. Athletes are the ones that made this job possible for me. So I actually give a lot more credits to athletes than any bad experience that I could recall. Talk about some of the people, Lauren, that you connected with being a young journalist. Who were some of the people that helped mentor you when you got first got started? One person I'd like to bring up, and he was part of our podcast at one point in time, because you spent some time in Cleveland, was John Tellich, who obviously we just think is a pro's pro, very class man. One of the things that he does, and this is the reason I want to ask a question, he works with a lot of young journalists, help promote them, he'll connect with them on LinkedIn. Are there other people that you worked with as a young journalist, and did you have the opportunity to have any connection with John? So I didn't work directly for John. John was at our competitor, but John is just one of the classiest people that I've come across in the business. When I wrote my story about being sexually assaulted and I put a letter out there, well, it was during the time I was in Cleveland and he came up to me, he said, great job. And he gave me a hug and it was just so genuine, so thoughtful and It meant so much to me coming from somebody who's been in the business, someone who had so much respect in Cleveland and someone who I honestly didn't know very well. I think John is one of the classiest people in the business and he's always been very kind, very encouraging and very warm to me. And that's something that I am super grateful for. He's even been encouraging with the Unsealed and and supported me and cheered me on with this venture that we're gonna talk about in a minute. And as for mentors, there's been so many mentors. My very first boss who I interned for at CBS, Willard Ogan, he to this day is on all the calls I do for Unsealed. He reads all my stories. Tim Graham from Buffalo, he's been amazing. He's come on some of the shows for Unsealed. There's been so many people, Leandra Riley, who I worked with at MSG Varsity. She was actually the first woman to call a a men's basketball game, I believe. There's just been so many people, I can't even name them all, who have gone out of their way to help, who've gone out of their way, men and women, to teach me, to help me grow, to support me, to put my stories out there. Michael Wilbon from ESPN, Rob King from ESPN. I could just throw out names all over the place. There's so many people and the industry is filled with people willing to help each other because the only way you rise in this industry is with the help of someone else. So I think a lot of people pay it forward and there's a lot of kind people, passionate people who are willing to help. So while there's some negativity in the business, there's a lot of positivity and a lot of people that will help you grow and will reach out their hand and bring you along the way. Now, after working in Buffalo and Cleveland, you decided to create your own digital company. You mentioned it. So let's talk about it. It's called The Unsealed. What, What is this media platform all about? We tell stories in the form of open letters that are socially significant or inspirational. The idea is to tell stories that inspire strength or promote equality. And I started it after writing an open letter to sexual assault survivors, telling them what happened to me when I was 16 years old. Unfortunately, At a high school party, I was drugged and sexually assaulted by two strangers, didn't tell anyone for years. In my 20s, mid-20s, I started opening up to my parents and my family and my friends. Then I decided to write this letter before the Me Too movement in 2017, inspired actually by a woman in Cleveland, another broadcaster, Gab Cruz, who did a story with me about her um, 
experience in college being abused by her boyfriend. And when I wrote this letter, it was so empowering. It went viral across the country that I decided what if I could help other people share their stories and inspire people and empower themselves at the same time. So I ghostwrite all the letters. We do all different topics from sexism to racism to people with disabilities, the LGBTQ community. It's really about giving everybody a voice and having their stories heard and also just showing the humanity in all of us. Because I think when we open up and we show the humanity in our situations, we show people that even though we go through different situations and different circumstances, we all experience the same emotions. So I may not know what it's like to be a black man in our society, but I sure know what it's like for someone to feel scared or to feel isolated. So even if I can't understand the exact experience, I can relate and sympathize and feel compassion for the emotion that it evokes. And so I think that through storytelling, it could really show the humanity in all of us and bring people together. And it's just been such an amazing experience starting this. I was able to take everything that I loved about sports reporting and combine it with my passion for social justice and create something that I think really reflects who I am, what I want to represent. And for me, I'm like a workaholic. So this was something that I could build and grow. And digital media is exploding right now. So it was an opportunity to create something on my own in a space that I felt like had a lot of growing potential. You talked about the ghostwriting. And obviously the ghostwriting you do, you're basically telling the stories of other people. When you talk with people, how easy or how difficult is it for them to tell their story to you so you can ghostwrite it? So I interview people the same way I would interview someone if I, if I wasn't ghostwriting, if I was doing it in third person. So I find stories the same way I would find stories when I was working for the news. I interview someone, I record the conversation, I ask questions, and then I'm able to write the story with their words. Everyone's names is out there. I, I'm helping with the writing aspect because that's my area of expertise. Sure. So a lot of people have stories to tell, but they don't know how to express it in a way that's concise, that tells their story, that really can be as impactful as possible. I've helped put it all together. I help take their thoughts, take their ideas, take their experiences and tell a story. But it's their words, their experiences, their emotions. Well, Lauren, what a great digital media platform you put together. And I wanted to see, would you be interested in playing a quick game with myself and Ted called Matchup? Sure. The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. All right, Ken, we are ready for the real news. And we begin at the White House. Hold on a minute. What is that? Get that out of here. Any rate, what is that? That's been the whole show like this. I don't Unbelievable. know. Unbelievable. Really annoying. All right, let's see if we can continue here. The outbreak of COVID cases at the White House is not the only problem there. Raccoons have apparently taken up residence on the lawn. CNN reporter Joe Johns was getting ready for a live report when he spotted a raccoon sneaking up behind him. He threw something and hollered at the raccoon to scare it, later remarking, quote, frickin' raccoons, man. <clears throat> Late last month, a CBS reporter noted that a raccoon attacked multiple news crews. Oh the reporter posted pictures on Twitter of the raccoons rummaging through a media tent. Wow, what's going on over there? Don't they have like a landscaper or like someone that can handle that sort of thing? Knowing uh, how the media is received at the White House, I wonder if the raccoon's name is Donald. I don't know. Oh. 
speaking of the uh, White House, the election is coming right up, as we know. And Hotels.com is offering an opportunity to, quote, live under a rock for election week to escape what it calls election stress disorder. For five bucks a night, you can stay in a man-made cave 50 feet below ground in New Mexico from November 2nd to November 7th. Every week. From what I've seen, that is not a bad call. No, it's not. And I'll be honest with you, they probably can make a lot more than $5 a night if they really wanted to. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not sure how where they well, when they Well, when they get booked and there's less rooms, just like they have at all these other different hotel websites, they're going to raise the price, no doubt. That's going to be 15 bucks soon enough. Get your stuff now, ladies and gentlemen. Get your live-under-your-rock room right now. Election stress disorder. A U.K. woman was walking her dog when the dog found what at first looked like a stick. It was not a stick. No, this was an adult toy. Clara Robson says it took her 15 minutes of chasing her Labrador named Charlie to kick the item out of reach because, as she put it, 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 well, it bounced everywhere. She was... (laughs) Oh, my God. Come on. She was eventually able to hide the item in a ditch. Oh, my Lord. I, I, don't, I, I don't even know what to say with this. If you have those types of items, keep them away from everybody. Lock it up. Why is your dog running around with this? Oh, God. You know, everybody worries about what kids put in their mouths. Little kids. No. Well, no. Now we got oh dogs are picking up. God, protect your animals. A Texas man is in jail on fraud charges after getting two loans from the Paycheck Protection Program to pay employees he apparently doesn't have. 29-year-old Lee Price III got loans for two companies, but neither has employees. And the person listed as the CEO of one company died a month before the application was submitted. The loan still went through and amounted to... million. Price is accused of spending that loan money on real estate, a pickup truck, a Lamborghini, and thousands more at Houston strip clubs. Oh, my. How many more people, and I know they gave out a lot of cash for this uh, PPP program. How many more people, I'm not going to say went as far as he did, but maybe abused the funds that they received. I'll just leave it at that. Mm, Yeah. And finally, Ken, we may have saved the best for last. Three former Oklahoma jail employees are facing misdemeanor cruelty charges for forcing inmates to stand handcuffed for hours while listening to the song Baby Shark on repeat. Oh, jeez. This apparently happened more than once, and the prosecutor says he wanted to find a felony statute for the loud and unlawful punishment, but there was no felony statute that fit this scenario wow that is cruel and unusual punishment there's no doubt baby shark baby shark baby again the whole episode my god i don't understand all right i'm gonna take care of this but first let's close up this week's collection of clops clips 
Yes, Chancellor Clock here, ready to preside over yet another episode of fantasy football on our program. Now, last week, as many of you may recall, we were informed that Ken Dworsnik and our fantasy football expert, Eowyn Adams, who won our league last year, who happens to be Ken's fiance, were squaring off this week in our league. And a wager was made. The wager was that if Ken lost, he would have to scrub a bathroom. And if Aowen lost, she would have to do some yard work, some leave raking. So the verdict is in, Ken. Let's update everybody. Now, first, I know you're saying, well, where's Aowen? Aowen actually has a legitimate job and has to travel while we just sit at home and slack, right? Is that pretty much it? Are you saying that she's got a real job and what we do is just kind of screwing around? Well, if the shoe smells. Well, that's exactly right. All right. So anyhow, she unfortunately cannot be here. Although for her, maybe it is fortunate. I don't know. Ken, can you give us the verdict? What happened this week in fantasy football? Ted, I have shocking news. Wait a I, minute. I, mean, I guess you could Wait see Wait a minute. Is- I'm sorry. CK. Yes. CK, I have breaking news. Breaking news. I have won both of the fantasy games this week against Aowen. Now, wait a minute. You played Aowen in both the leagues that you're in? In both the leagues, coincidentally. How about that? Yeah, that was a fun Sunday afternoon. Not been fun at home all week. Luckily, she's away, so (laughs) that's a bonus for me. But, yeah, I – I had a great week. Lamar Jackson played well. And then I I had a couple guys this week that just kind of went off. Josh Jacobs from the Raiders. Denard Hopkins. He had 19 points. Todd Gurley. You remember that name? Todd Gurley. Yeah, I remember that name. He plays for a team that can't win a game, but he scores a lot of points. He had 21 this week. I played Will Fuller. And here's the thing. Here's the part that's kind of bad. Yep. So there's a gentleman that plays for the Steelers with the last name of Claypool. Yeah. He's, he's on my team. <laughs> I didn't play him. Oh, boy. Well, he came he out of scored, nowhere. He scored 35 points this week and had four wow. touchdowns. Wow. Just a stud. So, yeah, a very fortunate week for me. Things kind of came to place. Awen, who's got Jared Goff, had a pretty good day, and so did Miles Sanders. But – she didn't get much production on a Golden Tate, Russell Gage, uh, Tyler Higby, or Eric Ebron. Kamara and Gage, I'm sorry, Kamara and Allen didn't have the best weeks either. So fortunate enough to get the victory. But it's Ted, as you know, fantasy football changes every week. I'm sorry, what did you say? CK. Thank you. Now, CK. because of this victory by you, we're going to have something on Twitter in the next day or two. Is that right? That is correct. We will have a picture of Eowyn doing something with leaves. I'm not sure if it's <laughs> going to be raking. Oh, well. <laughs> Boy, it could be something. A, a t- Obviously, I still think I'll have to do the raking, but yeah. she will do some raking, and we'll get a picture of her with those leaves. Why do I have a feeling she's going to be holding one leaf in her hand? Could be just one leaf or the rake, just holding up the rake. That's just a possibility. Okay, all right, fair enough. All right, well, uh, so you won this week, and you won the bet. 
Eowyn not available at the moment to give us any tips, so we'll have to be on our own this week. But that is this week's look at fantasy football. <sighs> fantasy football. Ted Klopp here for Westminster AV, offering custom audio-visual packages for all occasions, including business meetings, weddings, graduations, banquets, and more. So if you're looking to transform an in-person event to virtual, Westminster AV has a variety of solutions for you. Pharmaceutical companies hosting dinner events can find plenty of professional support from Westminster AV. No event too big nor too small. More information can be found by going to westminsterav.com or give them a call 216-325-6960. Game time now. We're going to play matchup, and Lauren Brill is back with us. Lauren is going to see if she can match my answers with more of her answers than Ken does. Lauren, how are you feeling right now? Nervous. I wouldn't be. You shouldn't be. I don't think I've ever won this game, so just going to let you know. All right, now here's how it works. I have a number of questions that I've answered. I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock, and I'm going to ask you as many questions as we can get through, and you're going to answer them. And we'll do the same with Ken, and we'll see who matches my answers the most. Now, Ken, get in the soundproof. I'm out. Okay, there he goes. All right, so... I have 30 seconds on the clock, and we'll start with your first answer, Lauren. Here we go. Name something with fangs. Uh, does shark have shark sharks? My right. dog. My dog has fangs. Uh, okay. <laughs> Name something cold. Ice. What does a dog do most of the time? Sleep. Name a reason you would wake up in the middle of the night. To eat <laughs> or pee. What comes to mind when you hear the word magic? Um, magic? What comes? Disney World. What do kids ask for before going to bed? To read a book. Okay. All right, Ken. Okay, here we go. Okay, Lauren's nervous. She shouldn't be. Ken, you've got 30 seconds on the clock. I'm going to start with your first answer. Here we wait a minute, Lauren. Do you think you're going to win? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that was very good. All right, here we go. First answer, we'll start the clock, Ken. Name something with fangs. Um, a werewolf. Name something cold. Ice. What does a dog do most of the time? Sleep. Name a reason <laughs> to you wake up in the middle of the night. Um, uh, eat. What comes to mind when you hear the word magic? Johnson, Magic Johnson. What do kids ask for before going to bed? A story. There we go. All right, so you both got through the same number of questions. We're going to review the questions and give the answers and see who wins. So, first question, name something with fangs. Lauren said a dog. By the way, she has a nice little lovable puppy. I can't imagine that little guy has uh, fangs. I don't know that he has fangs because when he growls, (laughs) I see the the, the teeth come out. All right, so you said dog. Ken said werewolf. I said 
vampire. Nobody gets a vampire. Oh. Okay. Name something cold. Lauren said ice. Ken said ice. I said ice. So we're one to one. Oh, wow. All right. What does a dog do most of the time? Lauren said sleep. Ken said sleep. I said sleep. Holy cow. Okay. Wow. Name a reason you wake up in the middle of the night. Lauren said, get something to eat. Ken said, get something to eat. Being the middle-aged man that I am, I said, go to the bathroom. <laughs> I always, I tried to switch my answer now, to that. <laughs> what comes to mind when you hear the word magic? Lauren said, Disney World. Ken said, Johnson, Magic Johnson. I said, Disney. Oh, Lauren of course you did. Oh, wow. Of course you did. Three to two. Oh. Last I question. think that was a good answer. Last question that both of you got to. What do kids ask for before going to bed? Lauren said a story. Ken said a story. And I said a story. Holy cow. Are you serious? That's four to three. Wow. Now, Lauren, are you just basing your answer off of time? with small children that you've spent to mark yours? I'm basing it off of myself. When I was a kid, I always said my parents were a story before bed. But really, it was just a ploy to stay up later. Yeah. Oh, I just absolutely. never wanted to go to sleep. So I was yeah. like, read me a book. Read me yeah. another one. Dad, tell me a story. Yes. Oh, and yes. How many, how many times are you almost, you almost have the door closed. Hey, Daddy. Daddy. Oh, one more. Yes. Yeah. Well, many, many say, times. No doubt. I need to be tucked in. I need socks. Daddy, yes. where <laughs> is the frog? Where is the dog? I need a drink of water. Ken, on an average night when you put your kids to bed, how long does it take? I would say probably about, we're at about 10, 15 minutes now. Oh it used to be longer, gosh, about 10, 15 minutes. One bit. So. Not <laughs> one bit. If it's an hour, I'm happy. I can imagine. Oh, my goodness. Well, I can imagine. We well, have... I know I wasn't a child because my dad nicknamed me Pipple when I was two. <laughs> he calls me not princess, not pumpkin. My name was Pipple. Okay. That's funny. Well, Lauren, uh, congratulations. You'll get a, I don't know, what, what does she win? Get a dirty sock? Is that the normal? Uh, no, oh, no, no, absolutely a, not. Uh, a nice young lady, a dirty sock. So we'll have to come No, unprofessional. So now, we'll find something better. <laughs> All right, a clean sock. Yay. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. Now, Lauren, like before that. we let you go, if people are interested, they want to find the unsealed. How do they do that? The unsealed.com. And then I'm on Facebook, Twitter. My name's Lauren Brill, B R I L L. So I'm on every social media platform you can imagine from Twitter to Instagram to Facebook. And if they have any questions, they can message me to directly. If they want to know about any stories, if they want to tell their own story, they can message me. And if they can, please subscribe, sign up. We're completely user supported. So the site is only able to grow and continue because of the people who support it. So thank you for everyone who does support it. And I hope more people continue to sign up. Well, Lauren, thank you. And congratulations on winning the game. I'm sure that'll be at the top of your LinkedIn now, right? Absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Cleveland! This is for you!
Well, Ted, another This Week in Cleveland History, October 17th, 1994. Mm. What were you doing then? I was at this event. You were at this event. I, this darn right I was. My yeah. gosh. This was my freshman year of college. Yeah. Gundarina opens with a concert from the great Billy yep. Joel, your favorite artist. Let's be Absolutely. honest. Hands down. The future Rock and Roll Hall of Famer performed to a sold-out crowd with the set list from his River of Dreams tour. <laughs> now, the Cavaliers played their first game in their new home four nights later, but Gundarina marked the return of the major arena events to downtown Cleveland, replacing the Richfield Coliseum, which opened in 1974. So you're telling me you were at this concert. Absolutely. I was there. I wanted to be there. So I guess... I didn't think about this until now. I was at the first event at Gund Arena, and I was at the first game at Jacobs Field. How about Holy that? Holy cow. Yeah. That's awesome. Boy. Yeah. Look but at that you, was, man. That was a great show. Quite a unique experience to be among the first to go into the brand new arena downtown and, and then to see a guy like Billy. That was the first time I'd ever seen Billy Joel in concert. Wow. And That's exciting. Yeah, tremendous. Amazing performer. I had the opportunity to see him one other time. And then I actually, I don't know how I got tickets for this. I saw him and Elton John together one time. Mm -hmm. when pianos. I went to that as well. So, yep. yep. Wow. Amazing. That I cannot believe 1994, man. That is time is flying by my friend. Can you believe that building is what? Hold on. What's America? What is that? I don't know. Uh, can you believe that building is 26 years old? It seems like it's still new. And I know they yeah, just refurbished it, but still, it just, it's like, I, I just can't believe that th those two facilities are been around for a quarter of a century now. Yeah, and they're at the part now. I mean, obviously, Quicken Loans, which is now named from Gun Arena, it, they made all these improvements because it's yep. been so long since the arena's been around. And I know they did the same at uh, Progressive Field as well. So yeah. It's, so. Now, let's touch real quick on the uh, Richfield Coliseum, which was out it was in farm country, and it was, a, at the time, a great facility. The problem with it, great sight lines and all that, the problem was that the suites, which are your high-dollar areas for tickets, they were the worst seats in the house. Oh, my god! They gosh. were at the top of the building. Do you remember that? Yes. It was yeah. insane. Yes. You, you would have to go up to, like, it's like six floors or something yep. like that. I, had a, yep. I sat in a suite one time for, yep. uh, I think it was either a... Um, Lumberjacks game or something like that, or maybe even the force when they were playing out there too. Mm -hmm. But oh my gosh, but the arena was great. And yeah. I'm living in Parma, it was pretty easy to get there. There's a lot of back ways to get there and it was much easier to get there than downtown. And I know one of our favorite people, Joe Tate, he certainly enjoyed that living. Oh, uh, he loved, well, the all the South. Cavs. Yeah. All the yes. Cavs liked playing out there because they didn't have to fight the downtown crowds to go to work. No. Yeah. I remember going to the Richfield Coliseum for, the circus and things like that. And it was when we went to the Coliseum and I went with my parents, that was like, that was a big deal. That wasn't just, yeah. you know, we're, we're going to go to a game. That was, we were going somewhere. And then yes. you, you're driving down and you, you know, there's this hay fields and farms. And then all of a sudden you turn down this road and there's the Coliseum. There it is. <laughs> yeah. And of course now they tore it down. It sat uh, empty for like five years. They tore it down. And it's now the only evidence that it was ever there is a little turnoff on 303. And the fact that the state route with it, it used to be on is a little wider in that area. But yes. other than that, it's turned back to the Cuyahoga Valley National Park System. And it's, if you didn't know to look for where it used to be, you'd, you'd drive right by it. 
Yes. And our favorite weather forecaster, Scott Sable, the official he point time. He is. He has some great stories about the uh, Richfield Coliseum. We'll have to have him on at some point in time to talk about that. But yeah, it was a great place. I grew up with it. You grew up with it. I mean, I've, my favorite time there was I've never experienced a place being so loud and watching an indoor soccer game and watching oh. the force. That yep. was just, it really was. And that's one of the first championships that Cleveland had was the force. Yep. And Absolutely. it was unbelievable. Just a cool place. Great memories. Well, that is this week in Cleveland history. Cleveland! This is for you! Ted, wrapping up another edition of Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. We had Facebook likes this week, and I know you enjoy these, Ted. I'll I do. I, like I, I let you know them. who liked the Facebook. Yes. Lori Strange, Pete Rakitak, Brian Kirst, Kevin Lee, and Izzy Santiago Jr. Thank you so much for your Facebook likes. And we also have an Instagram, 2MAMICLE, and then also Twitter, at 2MAMICLE. And you mentioned before, we're going to do something on Twitter. Did you mention that? Well, uh, we're we're working on some some different ways to interact on Twitter, but uh, for this week, you got to look for the picture of Eowyn doing the yard work. So that'll be exciting, right, Ken? That is exciting because that <laughs> you're uh, worried about that often. questions at home, aren't you? you oh, of course. Care. Yes, of course. That's mm-hmm. the, that makes it fun. Now, here's something else we always mention at the end of the show, and it hasn't happened in a while. I'm getting a little disappointed here. Nobody seems to want to talk to us. You look at the numbers. I look at the numbers. People are listening. Nobody yep. seems to want to talk to us. No, but, no interaction. Yeah, but if you do decide you want to talk to us, you can't do it live, but you can leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash 2MAMICLE. Click the plus sign with the word message. Leave us a message, and we'll put it on our show. Can't be any easier than that. Next week on the show, Cleveland food critic Doug Tratner is going to join us and talk about, well, eating. Oh, God, that's my favorite thing. I am so good at that. Everyone knows that. (laughs) We're playing to our strengths next week, aren't we? Yes, we are. Now, here's the problem that I foresee for the two of us. I think Doug Tratner's tastes and uh, things like that are uh, a little beyond ours. (laughs) (laughs) The mentioned restaurants that we're going to say. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Maybe we could take a collection up. You know, we start scrounging around the house and finding all the extra pennies and quarters, and yeah. maybe we could just buy, buy our wives one meal. We could sit there and watch them eat it. Maybe that, we could That's right. That. We won't have enough for ourselves to eat, but we can watch right. them. He's also a best-selling New York Times author. He's written some books with Michael Simon, so we'll talk to him about that as well. So it'll be very interesting. A little food talk next week as we move on here with Next week, Ken, episode number 25. Wow. Maybe we'll have to reminisce next week. We could talk we think about all the 25 episodes and what are the, the top two, mom, two or three moments from the shows we've had in the past. So until next week, Ken. Uh, Ted, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by... Westminster AV, custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.